looking at John chapter 8, verse 41 this morning. John chapter 8. Virgin Mary, what a wonderful person she was. You know, some defy her, as we'll read in our text, saying that Jesus was a bastard. Some deify her, as the Catholic denomination, you know, makes her out to be someone who, who was a mediator someone who you can pray to, and they say she didn't have other children, but Scripture says she clearly had other children. So some deify her and some defy her, and actually neither of those are correct. We need to eulogize her as Elizabeth did when she said, you're blessed above all women. We'll talk about that in a few moments. But uh, all Jews wanted to have male children, hoping they would be the one who would bring about a Messiah. And we know Scripture prophesied all this 700 years prior. You know, Isaiah told us that 700 years prior that she'd be a virgin with child. Isaiah also told us about the lineage of Jesse, the father of David. And Jeremiah told us about David. And we know that Micah 5.2 tells us the birthplace, Bethlehem, and that he would be from everlasting. Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. He's always existed. So all these great prophecies that are found in Scripture, and we're thankful for those. But he didn't come into this world to bring peace. He, he came to bring peace in our hearts, but not peace in this world. In fact, the Bible says that he came uh, to bring war. We know that when Jesus came, just being born caused turmoil. Mother would be against mother and father, you know, father against mother and children against each other. And there'd be great division in our world because Jesus came. Now, one day we'll have peace for a thousand years, but right now we have turmoil in our world. The only peace we can have is in our heart. Let's stand together and read John 8, 41. And when you get it, stand, and while you're standing, let me read another verse to you. It says, A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of the Lord. And we'll read some more scriptures later. But John 8, 41, it says, Ye do the deeds of your father. Jesus said, Then they said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. We be not born of fornication. So they're accusing him of being born out of wedlock. Let's pray God bless us as we look into your book for a walk in the world. God, I just pray that what's said today will be edifying to you. It'll lift you up, lift your son Jesus up, which will draw people to him. And God, as we pray together, as we agree right now for you to put your hand on this service, we thank you today for sending Jesus to be born, but yet for a bigger purpose, to die and to be resurrected for our salvation. We ask you to bless now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In Luke 1.42, Elizabeth said, she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed are you. And that Greek word you're familiar with, it's the word eulogo, eulogy. She eulogized Mary because Mary was, after all, great. Why God chose Mary? Because she would be a good mother, a good example and role model, a good person. 
While Jesus was a son of God, he had to learn to grow and, and, and physically. And, and the Bible said he grew in wisdom. And, and Mary was a big part of that, as was Joseph. So she was a great person. Sometimes we are afraid to even mention her in, in church because of the false teachings in other denominations that say she was, after all, a mediator and they count beads to her and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, but, but we have to eulogize her and be thankful for her as Elizabeth was. We know that he, he was, uh, a, a, a child born to, to, to die, to, to bring salvation through the cross. But the virgin birth is such a vital part of our teaching. And John now is writing, John, the apostle, uh, the one who says Jesus loved him, the fisherman, part of the inner circle, and the older one. And he's writing this, and he's going to share with us uh, certain things that we need to recognize in this day and age, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And John's gospel uses the word believe or faith over a hundred times, as we saw recently. But we know that it must have bothered him to hear them say that uh, we're, not, we're not born of fornication. Because John, no doubt, knew Mary and loved her, and he's an eyewitness to these events, and it had to bother him when they refer to Jesus as being born out of wedlock. And so we, we go back to that doctrine, that important doctrine, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. I don't understand the virgin birth. I accept it by... I don't understand how Jesus can be eternal, but I accept it by... And all the things we'll look at today are all miracles that we have to accept by faith because we can't explain these things. I, I tell the kids about the Trinity and I'll use an egg and the shell and the yolk and the white, but that really, really is far short of what the Trinity is because these are all miraculous doctrines. Well, there's several reasons a virgin birth is needed, several reasons. First of all, God cannot lie and we need the virgin birth be to fulfill all the prophecy. That prophecy would be fulfilled, we needed the virgin birth because the Bible said he'd be born of a virgin and so we needed that to be fulfilled. Isaiah 7, 14, the word virgin there is only used twice, the Hebrew word, in all your Bible. Now, there are other words translated virgin in your Old Testament, but this one Hebrew word is only translated Virgin twice. Isaiah 7, 14, which we know, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin, a virgin shall conceive. She had never been with a man. It's also used, turn with me to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis 24, turn with me there. Verse 16, Genesis 24, 16. We find that word there as well. Genesis 24, 16. It says here, And the damsel was very fair to look upon. A virgin, neither had any man known her. Now that word known, the Hebrew word there means intimately. Sexual relations. No man had ever slept with her. And that's the same word used to describe Jesus. Sometimes liberals will come along and say, well, you know, that could just be made. No, clearly that Hebrew word means a woman that had never slept with a man, never had sexual relations. And so clearly Jesus was born of a virgin. And we needed that, didn't we? We needed that because prophecy said that's the way it would be. And we want uh, to know that prophecy has been fulfilled. And God keeps his word. 
And what he said in the New Testament was fulfilled in the Old, in the Old Testament, was fulfilled in the New Testament. In Luke 1.35, we read that it was the Holy Ghost that came upon Mary. So she's shocked. She doesn't know, know what happened, and she's told she's with child. And Micah 5.2, we already mentioned, told us he's the everlasting one. And that had to be fulfilled, the, the birth in Bethlehem. So all those prophecies had to be fulfilled. But turn with me now to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And you really want to mark your Bibles because the cults will come to you and say things to you uh, about Jesus not being eternal and that the Trinity isn't really a valid doctrine and that they don't agree with us on the Trinity and the way we accept it. We accept it by faith. But the cults will say, well, you know, really that's not what that teaches. And Isaiah 9, 6 is so clear. For unto us a child is born. And mark this, because you have to get this. Unto us a son is given. Who are we talking about? And the government shall be on his shoulders. When's that going to take place? While he's sovereign now, during the millennial kingdom, he'll rule all nations. He'll judge nations and rule them. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Isn't he wonderful? Counselor, any of the best advisor you've ever had? Before you talk to anyone else, talk to him. And it goes on to say, what's he called? Wonderful counselor. What's the next expression? The mighty God. He's God. We'll talk about that more later as well. And then what's he called? The three in one. The everlasting Father. I mean, how can you not realize the Trinity? And then, of course, the Prince of Peace who brings peace to our heart. And Brother Steve one day will bring peace to this world. He's going to take over this world. So mark that because you show that to the cults and they'll, they'll have to just back up and say, well, well, we'll come back and talk to you another day. Because clearly these three are one. And so we know that he's our Emmanuel, our Emmanuel. And we know that means God with us. Daniel called him the Son of Man. And so when he came, he referred to himself as the Son of Man. And they were angry because they understood the Son of Man meant his incarnation, God in the flesh. He was a Son of God, but he was also God in the flesh. How can we accept both those teachings? Only by faith. Only by faith. And so here uh, we find he is a fulfillment of all the prophecy. We need the virgin birth so it would fulfill all prophecy. I'm so thankful that prophecy was fulfilled. Also, we want to mention Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 and 19. You don't need to turn there. But here we find Joseph, who is a just man. He doesn't want to embarrass Mary. He loves her. He, he thinks, well, I'll just divorce her privately. Now, engagements, betrothals then are much more binding than an engagement is today. They had land, they had certain documents drawn up, and I mean, there was a big thing uh, to be betrothed, to be engaged, as we would call it, much more binding than today's relationship. And he didn't want to marry her because she was pregnant. And so he's going to just privately put her away. Now, could he have aborted the baby? Abortion was a thing back then. We studied in our Wednesday night uh, study of Bible cities, Ascalon, the city, and we talked about how they had found the remains of over 100 aborted babies underneath the city. So they had abortion, but Joseph wouldn't do that. He's a Jewish man. He wouldn't do something like that because he's a man of faith, a man of God, and, and so he wouldn't do that. But he thought, well, I'll just, I'll just put her away privately. No one will know. We'll just break this off. 
But in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says, uh, as Mary, they were a spouse. He said, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But then it said an angel came to him and said, that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph certainly uh, understood and, and would now marry her and be a husband to her. That had to be hard being ridiculed. She's pregnant and they're not married. And of course, those that were scholarly understood the virgin birth. But those that hated him would then falsely accuse him and falsely accuse Mary. But thank God for the virgin birth because it fulfilled all that prophecy. So we needed the virgin birth to fulfill prophecy. We also need the virgin birth to protect the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you study the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're shocked at it. Because you know these things already, but Rahab, the Canaanite harlot, was in his lineage. Now what would that do? That would defile ten generations, you know. A Canaanite harlot's in his lineage. And Ruth the Moabite, a foreigner, a good lady, but still a foreigner's in his lineage. And David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was married to Uriah the Hittite when she began her affair of adultery with David. So these two adulterers are in his lineage. Some of these things are punishable by death. We know that. And then you think of Tamar and Judah. And the incest there. And they're all in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So we needed a virgin birth. Why, well, he couldn't be a product of that. And then we have to turn to Jeremiah chapter 28. Turn there with me. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 28. I'm going to have some help here from some of you young guys. If Kenneth, if you could come up here. Is your sister in here? Is she in junior church? Where's Rachel? Is Rachel in here? Come on up here. Come on up here, Kenneth. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna diagram this for you. I I have to find some. I might have to use some married folks here. But uh, Kenneth, uh, you'll you'll be down here and you'll be you'll be Joseph, okay? And any of you guys want to come up? You want to come up and help me? Okay. Come on up. Come on up. Can you come up? I know you're not asleep. Should I go step on his toes? Because he was just looking at me a second ago. Oh, well. He didn't want to come. You're going to wake him up or pretend to wake him up? You want to come up? You want to help me? And I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to pull out a few married ladies. Sorry, I'm going to marry you again. Uh, you want to come up? I'm sorry, Mrs. Jake. And uh, you want to come up? You want? No, you don't want to come up. You're going to be Mary this morning. So this is Joseph. You'll be Mary, and you're going to be the baby. Not that you ever act like one. Come on over here, Mary. You come on up here, and you're going to be Jeconiah. You're the bad guy. So you can, you can, Mary, Mary, you got to get over on that other side because I'm, I'm going to show some lineage here. You're over here. I need two more volunteers. Come on up. What's your boy's name again? Aiden. Aiden, come on up here. Do you want him to be the baby? Aiden, you want to be the baby? No, okay. I'm fine. You're fine. Oh, no, now you've just grown up. I'm fine. Now, you're, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be um, Nathan, okay? It's all right. You just stay there. I'll make you Nathan. I'm going to be King David, even though King David was five and a half feet tall. I'm a little big for that. I need one more volunteer. One more volunteer over here to be Solomon. Anybody, come on up. 
Come on up or we'll be here all day if somebody doesn't trot up here. Where is that? Is Alex back there? I don't see him. Come on up. One, one young man, you want to come up? Anybody? Come on up. We need one guy. Come on up here. Do you all want to go home today or we're going to be in church till 1 o'clock? Eli, would you come? You're, 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 hey, let's, Eli, he's cool. I mean, Eli's cool. He's come. Okay, well, now, Eli, well, now, sit down, Alex. You're late. Come on up here, Eli. Thanks, man. <laughs> Embarrassing you. All right. You come back here, and you back here and line up with. All right, I'm King David. I had two sons, okay? This is Solomon, and this is Nathan, my two boys. And uh, I'll pretend you're really my son. If you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Solomon and his line goes down to Joseph. Nathan's line of lineage in the Bible goes down to Mary. And, of course, we have baby Jesus there. You want to get in the cradle? No, you don't have to. <laughs> but in this line, we read of a guy by the name of Coniah. Coniah, you're Coniah. Let me read this to you. Now, are you in, are you in uh, Jeremiah 22? This is Coniah, a despised, broken idol. Coniah was terribly evil. He continued practices of idolatry and adultery. He was just a bad dude. And so what, is, what does the Bible say? It says here, write this man childless. Write him childless. And that doesn't mean he wouldn't have children because in 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, he had kids. But notice what it clarifies it. That, sh that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper. None of his seed would prosper. He would have children, but none of them would be, notice it says, on the throne of David. So you'd have kids, but they wouldn't be on the throne. So what does that do now? We have Jesus, and how does Jesus get the throne? Through Solomon, Jeconiah, and Joseph, he can't. He had to be born of a virgin because his whole line was cursed. You guys can all sit down. Thank you so much. Appreciate your help. So you see, this whole line is cursed here. Now, Jesus has to get the throne. He can't get it through Joseph. You are aware that sin is passed on to all of us from our Father, every one of you boys and girls, Ladies and gentlemen, senior men and women, you were all born. You were a sin in your mother. You were sinners in your mother's womb because of the blood. Read DeHaan's book on chemistry of the blood. It's a great book about the blood and how the blood is vitally important to heal things and to help us with things. A great book. But the blood of your father made you a sinner. And so all these people are sinners. We know that. But how does Jesus get the throne? Now you say, well, through the virgin birth. But there's another story in Numbers where the daughters of Elipaz came to Moses and says, you know, our father died and he didn't have any sons. Can we get his inheritance? And Moses said, absolutely. So Jesus got the authority and the throne through the line of Mary. Because this line was cursed. None of Jeconiah's offspring. And what is Joseph? That's one of the offspring of Jeconiah. So he could not be the father of Jesus. So you see, the whole lineage thing is vitally important. And, and Jesus would not have been born of a virgin. If he wasn't born of a virgin, he would, he would not have the right to the throne. 
because of this sinful seed. Moses could not have been his father. So several reasons we need the virgin birth. First of all, we need the virgin birth so prophecy would be fulfilled. And then second, to protect Jesus from this corrupt line of Jeconiah. And the third reason we need the virgin birth is we needed to be provided with a perfect lamb. You see, we see that illustrated all through the Old Testament, don't we? When they celebrated the Passover, they said that at one time in Israel, 100,000 lambs were killed for Passover. Think of that, 100,000 lambs. Now they substitute chickens and they disobey Scripture and they, they think they're doing a service, but there's not enough lambs over there now to celebrate Passover. Of course, we know the Passover is meaningless now because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. But you see, they didn't say, well, you know, we got this old lamb. It's just run down and weak. It's a, let's, let's eat that one because it's, it's just, you know, it's going to die anyway. And that's not what they did, right? They were committed to doing what? Getting the best lamb out of the flock. One without a broken bone, without a flaw, without some missing hair. They got the healthiest male lamb out of the flock and they sacrificed that lamb because it was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, if Jesus had been a sinner, he couldn't pay for my sin. He'd be no better than I. He was perfect, the Lamb of God without sin. Psalm 51 tells us that we're in sin did my mother conceive me, David said. Jesus couldn't have a human father. In Romans chapter 5, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all of sin. And then we find here in, in Romans 5, 19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many were made righteous. That chapter would be good for you to go home and read of all the, the phrase, much more, much more were justified by his blood, much more were reconciled, much more the grace of God, much more the abundance of grace. And then when sin abounded, much more did grace abound. We were sinners and we needed a Savior. And we needed a perfect lamb. A perfect lamb. And so we need this provision of a perfect lamb to pay for our sin. I like what John said. <clears throat> John, the gospel writer, is quoting John the Baptist. They're two different people. John, the author, is writing... And he's quoting John the Baptist when John the Baptist saw Jesus walking down the beach in his sandals and his robe. He said, look, behold, that means look, stare at, look at him. There is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He understood the concept. He understood the concept. And then we go to Revelation chapter 5 and we have to all go there. We have to go there, Revelation chapter 5. This is just, just an awesome passage here in Revelation chapter 5. Turn there, and as the old country preacher said, we're going to park there a while. Revelation chapter 5. I love all the scriptures that point out that Jesus is the perfect lamb. I mean, so many scriptures we'll give you today that point out that he is sinless. But here is John writing, and John has a vision, and, and, and he, he, he can't find anybody to open the book to reveal the whole story because nobody's worthy. 
And look at, look at chapter 5 and verse 12. Revelation 5, 12, we know this verse, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Where John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb. Here, we know with a loud voice, the angels are saying, Worthy is the Lamb. That's the one who's worthy. He's the only one that can take away sin because he was sinless himself. I love all the scriptures that talk about his sinlessness. We think of, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah 53, 9 says, He had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, you know the verse. It says, For he hath made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Hebrews 4, 15, He was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. And, and uh, uh, 1 Peter 2, 22, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 1 John 3, 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away sins because in him is no sin. He was sinless. He was sinless, and that matters. And then I love 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversations or lifestyles, what that means by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. His blood, his precious blood was perfect. No sin in his blood. And it's his blood that washed away our sins. He had to be a perfect lamb, a perfect savior to replace us on the cross. See, we were destined to die for our sins. We were eternally separated from God, and He took our place, that substitutionary atonement. He knew no sin. And then we go to John, uh, Revelation, John's writing in Revelation here, chapter 5, and we pick up in verse 4. John says, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Nobody's worthy. And he's weeping. He's weeping. Verse 5. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Jacob had 12 sons, and Judah was one of them. And out of the lineage of Judah and Tamar, that ancestral relationship, incest, that's the line of Jesus Christ. But out of that line, the Bible says, the line of the tribe, the root of David... And what did David do? We know what he did. And it says, the root hath prevailed to open the book. And the loose of seven seals. So he's worthy to open the book. Verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by thy blood. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And then these angels, verse 11, I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, saying, they weren't singing, they were saying, worthy is the Lamb. Thousands and thousands of angels are saying, worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. John hears thousands upon thousands of angels saying, he's worthy. Can you say it today, he's worthy? Born of a virgin, sinless. Felt the temptation we felt, yet he never failed. And he never fails because he's God. 
I love that about my Lord. Never failed me. I've blamed him for things. Been mad at the Lord. What are you doing this to me for, Lord? Why this happened to me? My attitude's terrible, yet he never fails. He never makes mistakes. A few months ago, I talked to a fellow in my church, gotten saved years ago. He was a Green Beret. Before he got saved, this is the kind of guy it was. He was a tough guy. At his brother's wedding, he saw someone he didn't like, and a fight broke out, and they knocked all the food tables over and ruined the wedding. He met a Christian lady, a Hawaiian girl, and married her, and they were in Panama. And I had a chance to tell him about Jesus, and he got saved. Talked to him about three months ago. He's still going strong, still in church, still a changed man. His wife's so proud of him, he just lives for God and loves God. The only thing that could make that happen is a worthy lamb. He couldn't have been washed from his sin. And years ago, I was preaching up in a church in Virginia and big church, and I was excited about it. He made the trek all the way there just to see me. And I was preaching at Thomas Road Baptist, you know, Dr. Falwell's church. And I was spending time with Dr. Falwell. It was great, and I didn't spend any time with him. I didn't think of it. I was busy, and I'm not a big shot preacher, okay? But I'm riding home. My wife says, I think, I think Dan got hurt. I said, why? Well, he, he loved you. He didn't care about Jerry Falwell. He didn't care about that big church. He came all the way there because you told him about Jesus, and he wanted to spend time with you. And the more we drove home, the smaller I became in my ego, you know. You heard that Chuck Swindoll said to his wife one time, someone had come up and said, uh, Pastor Swindoll, you're the greatest preacher in the world. And he said he got in the car with his wife and said to his wife, Honey, how many great preachers do you think there are in the world? And she said, one less than you think. <laughs> I don't know, but one less than you think there are. And so you could have fit my ego in the glove compartment when it was all over. And I had to call Dan and, and apologize. And the, the godly man that he is, he said, yeah, you know, I wanted to spend some time with you. He said, but you know what? It was just great to be there with you for a few minutes, and, and I'm fine now, and I got over it quickly. You know, if he'd have been a small person, what would he have said? Yeah, you offended me, and it's not over, buddy. No. He was saved. He understood the grace of God, and he was gracious to his pastor, who was a jerk, you know? You ever been a jerk? I've been a jerk. I've been inconsiderate. I've been a slob. You know... I don't care about feelings of people. I have my own ego, and I'm going to stroke my own ego. And so many times, I'm such a failure. I say to people, Do you, a line I learned years ago from an old man, he'd say, you still love me? And I'd say, I do. And he'd say, it takes grace, doesn't it? <laughs> do you still love me? It takes grace, doesn't it? I know what I am. I fall short. But my lamb is worthy. You see, he is the only reason that I could even open God's word and share because he's gracious to me. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his mercy. I deserve hell. I'm nothing but by God's grace. It's all God's grace. Anything in my life that's ever been good is because of God. And everything that's been bad is because of me. He's worthy. We ought to praise him today. 
Because He came. And He came born in a manger. And He came to die for our sins. Why? Because He's the Lamb of God and He came to take away the sin of the world. And that's your sin and that's my sin because He's worthy. He went on that cross. It's more than Bethlehem. It's Calvary. And that resurrection. You know what? One day He's coming again. One day. I love the rapture and that's going to be great. But I'll tell you what, when we come back with Him to this earth, I, my old nature says it's going to be a, 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 a I told you so moment, but that's not really the way it's going to be. We won't, we won't be patting ourselves on the back and saying to the world, I told you I was right, and you're all going to pay now. No, we're going to be broken. At the great white throne, you know what's going to happen? After he judges all these sinners and casts them, you know what he's going to do for us? He's going to wipe the tears from our eyes because we're going to see reality unfold where people are judged. And we're going to realize we failed to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to have to wipe the tears from our eyes. Read that. Revelation 20 and 21. Read that. He died for the sins, John said, not just for my sins. He died for the sins of the whole world. I'm glad he died for me, but if you're here today and you're lost, he died for you as well. I'm glad he died for the, the born-again people of Anchor Hope, but he also died for your neighbors and your co-workers and your children and your grandchildren. They need to know about Jesus, and it's our commission to tell them he's a worthy lamb, worthy enough to pay for our sins on the cross of Calvary. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Christmas morning. We will all celebrate this Friday Christmas remembering the birth of Jesus. And help us to remember, God, that he is born of a virgin and a worthy lamb. And that Bethlehem was all about Calvary, him coming into this world to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I know there are some visitors here today and some people that don't come often, but I just pray you'll speak to their hearts about the importance of knowing knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior, being certain of their salvation, certain they know you, God, because of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. And I pray for their salvation today. And I, I pray for others here who need to be more serious about the Word of God and the work of God, that you'll deal with them. Help us not to be play actors, Lord, hypocrites, but to be genuine Christians confessing our faults one to another, praying for one another, lifting up one another, and worshiping the worthy Lamb together. We ask you to bless now in Jesus' name. Amen.